Those were, uh, those were good times. <laughs> uh, it definitely is a, a test in marriage, uh, running summer camps together. Um, but uh, we're so honored and very, very grateful to be here. Um, and I'm grateful that you would take time for this. Life is busy. It's burdensome at times. There's many distractions, many responsibilities, many demands on your attention and time and when you make a deposit like this, it, it's very important, and it means something. And just as we were worshiping, just wanted to encourage you that don't underestimate what happens in a moment with Jesus, um, that you could read a ton of books, you can listen to a ton of series, you can listen to very credible people giving you all sorts of great teaching, but nothing, nothing uh, amounts to, to who Jesus is and what Jesus does, and in His presence, what He can do inside of you. Um, is, is just, there's no comparison. And so, even in a time like this, worshiping and being in the presence of the Lord attentively, uh, that, that what Jesus can do is far greater than anything we could say or anything you'll read in a book. Hopefully, everything we say builds on that or supplements that, but doesn't replace it. Um, so, just wanted to encourage you with that. They may, yeah, whoa, there I am. <laughs> um, just in prayer over this, I feel like that um, things may be great, things may not be great, but the fact that you're investing time to um, say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord over my marriage, um, that God wants to abundantly bless you. Um, I believe that there's going to be things that you're going to see with new eyes this weekend. Um, it could come through the messages, but I just believe that as you... Um, step out in faith that God's going to meet you right where you are. So great expectations, I believe, for this week, for all of us. Uh, start out, we're going to start out in Colossians 1. Um, on the weekends, you're in a series. We're in a series on Jesus over everything. Uh, and I take that extremely seriously. Uh, it's not just spiritual hyperbole. It's, it's, it's something that we mean. And we want to talk about Jesus-centered marriages uh, tonight. Not an extensive teaching. There's incredible books. There's great teachings out there. Uh, and a conference is not where you get uh, extremely uh, detailed uh, teachings. It's where you get encouraged, motivated, maybe challenged. And then uh, our heart is to just give you some tools. Um, not necessarily an over-explanation about anything, but some tools that whether you've been long-time married, you know, nearly four decades for a, a few of you guys, um, newly married or somewhere in between or even not married, that uh, being focused on Jesus, being centered on Jesus is, is really what matters most because marriage is work. Relationships in general, they're just work. It's a lot of work. It's work that is worth it, but it is work. And it's extremely easy to give in to temptation to just drift. Um, a lot of marriages dissolve not because of a major offense, though that happens, it comes generally just by drifting. Even people married two, three decades that you take for granted your spouse uh, and you just become apathetic, uh, lethargic in your marriage, not mean-spirited, not bitter, not even angry, just apathetic. 
and you drift. Um, and uh, if we can give you some tools that have strengthened our marriage, not coming as experts. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're knocking on the door of 13 years, so there's, there's many, uh, many that have been married longer. Um, but, but our marriage uh, is work, and we work on it. Um, it's easy for us to get tempted. We've got five little children. Um, uh, all uh, our, our oldest is about to turn 10, so we've spent the last 10 years uh, making and raising babies. <laughs> Uh, and uh, every two years, we have a new baby. So we're done, just in case anybody was yes, wondering. Yes, finished. Um, <laughs> with our last, he, uh, he came in with a bang, so, uh, so we're, we're done. Not but, doing uh, that again. <laughs> but we're, we're in the raising children years, and uh, five, five children uh, there's a, requires a ton of attention and need, and uh, it's easy to, to just take each other for granted. And so we have to remind ourselves of these the things we're going to share with you today. Um, we work on them continually, and we mess it up continually. And But these, we're going to talk about three agreements, three agreements that we make with each other in a Jesus-centered marriage. There's probably 150 you can make, yeah. um, but you won't remember 150. Hopefully you'll remember these three and just get you started. Um, but it all is based in Jesus. And so I'm going to read from Colossians 1. Uh, because this is kind of what this whole series on the weekends have been based in, uh, that it's about Jesus. We're just going to read through from 15 to 20. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything Jesus might be preeminent. For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So Jesus here, all things were made through him, all things were made for him, and in him all things hold together. And that because of who Jesus is, in everything he might be preeminent. And marriage is not excluded from that. Marriage is not the exception, the little asterisk that gives a footnote that says, well, everything but marriage, you're on your own there. Marriage was made through him, as Micah alluded to in Genesis 2. It's, it's like the first gift God gives beyond the creation itself. He gives to humanity is the gift of intimate relationship. Uh, and we, because of that, it's made through him and it's made for him. That much of the purpose of your marriage is for the glory of Jesus. Like, we need to start seeing, you're not married to be happy. You're just, you're doomed to misery if that was your purpose. It is a benefit, is an, a fruit or an outworking. It is not the purpose. The purpose of your marriage is not to procreate. The purpose of your marriage is not anything other than to glorify Jesus. Your marriage actually, if avoiding the theological explanation of it, our marriages are the greatest picture of, what, of who God is and what God is like. Like That's the picture. The, the way God gives his tangible picture in humanity from 
first page to the last page is in marriage. Um, and then marriage points towards our intimacy with Christ and is supposed to be the image that the church, who then images God to the world, the church is to look at marriage and say, this is what it's like to image God. It glorifies God in a unique way that no other human relationship can. And so your marriage, the purpose is to glorify Jesus. A kingdom marriage, one of the book recommendations out on the, out on the table in the foyer is Tony Evans' kingdom marriage. That's one of his primary drivers, is that you and I are married to glorify Jesus. And so if you're not married, or maybe you have a history of broken marriages or broken relationships... The purpose of your marriage is to glorify Jesus. It is made for Him. Your marriage is made for Him. And that in your marriage, He is to be preeminent. Not taking care of children. Not meeting each other's romantic needs. Nothing takes the preeminence of Jesus. And so whether you're single or married, whether you're married one year or five decades, Jesus is preeminent. It is all, your marriage is all about Jesus. And so for us... We, we have uh, three agreements that we work through and hold each other accountable to in being Jesus-centered. Um, I think that going along with what you were saying um, is this idea of our first love. And, you know, we can t- think of that in light of one another, you know, that first feeling of love. But I think it's first to back it up and to think of that as um, our relationship with the Lord. And that there is this place of recognizing that everything flows out of that first love with Jesus. And I know that um, I find myself in a season of having little kids and um, managing several, you know, things and um, making sure that a lot of others' needs are met. But um, so that's, that's kind of my season. And I know that everybody here is in all different sorts of seasons. But we can all agree that we... Um, could look at the needs of, um, of our life, that they could be distractions, but a lot of them are really good things to do. But even in all of that, um, at the core of that, all of, all of what we have to do or what we have to be for others has to flow out of that first love for the Lord. And many times, I know for me, um, I, I take myself back to those first experiences with the Lord. But, um, you know, I'm... I'm I'm a kind of a filler kind of person, so I like to uh, go back to memories, and I like to um, look at pictures and those types of things. It, it has a way of reminding me because um, many times I can go the whole day, and I'm like, I don't know what I've been thinking about all day <laughs> because I've just been doing this and this and this, and we can live these busy lives um, making sure that everything's done. Um, how many of you guys have a lot to do during your day? Or is that just the moms in the room? <laughs> there's just, there's a lot to do. And um, I found myself, you know, at a place when I would be still, that I was, I was um, empty, you know, and not just empty because I was tired, but because I hadn't spent that time, you know, just feeling up. And I know that I can't give out what I don't, I haven't been given, um, or I haven't sat still enough to receive. And so, even as we were talking through this, um, what we would say, I was just reminded, the Lord was just speaking to my heart about there would be many here that um, we just need to recall those, that first love with the Father, that we need to remember that first love um, with the Father, and we need to frequently re- go back. But it's not just going back, like we have to have all these 
old experiences, but it's an effort to be able to take steps forward as well. And so um, intimacy one with another um, on so many levels comes out of that overflow of love with the Father. So let me give you all three to start, and then we'll just break down. That's getting into to number one, which uh, these three, number one, agreement. These aren't like rules. These aren't demands, uh, but agreements we make with each other. Uh, the first one, we make Jesus the priority. Jesus is the priority. Not our personal needs, not romance, not kids, not work. Jesus. Jesus is the priority. The second one that came with a lot of hard learning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are on the same team. Anybody that's been around us has heard us say that one before. <laughs> Sometimes we say it as like a reminder, like uh, kind of reminding ourselves. And then the third one, which uh, took time for us to cultivate, but, but uh, we will remain face-to-face. Um, we'll explain that one a little bit um, and a little bit later. But the first one, we make Jesus a priority. What she was saying Everything must flow out of your relationship with Jesus. Everything. Your marriage just will not make it. Or if it makes it, it's more just like surviving. Uh, if not for Jesus. Jesus is the priority. Your relationship with him must be a priority in your lives. It's very easy in today's age to kind of put the relationship with Jesus kind of off to the side because you have so much to do, you got so many responsibilities, you're really easily distracted, and you got these desires, that desires, and Jesus kind of sits over here when you can get to him or, or on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or whatever. But your personal relationship with Jesus is what fills you up, and it is from the overflow of that relationship that every other relationship gets filled. It's from that the overflow of that relationship, that now you can nurture a Christ-centered relationship with your spouse. That without that, you're empty and you're give, you cannot give what you have not received. Um, using the, the, the first love language, uh, Revelation 2, Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus. Uh, and I found some parallels here in marriage. Revelation 2, verse 2, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance... And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent." And he's speaking to the church, but I think, I think you, can, you can make the direct connection to marriage. He's saying, like, you've endured. You've worked hard. You've stayed faithful. You've worked at it. You're not even grown weary. You've tested all these things. And, like, just this idea of patience and endurance, and you've not grown weary. And he says, but you've kind of forgotten why you do all this in the first place. That like that, it's, it's, it's for the relationship, not just for the endurance of this, that life, um, I mean, it's 2020, like we don't, we just can use that as exhibit A <laughs> on like the hardships of life and, and stuff happens in your life. 
You go through hard seasons. You go through hard times. There's challenges and difficulties. And even when you're not in challenges and difficulties, there's also monotony. There's just the grind of day to day to day uh, that, that takes place in life and in marriage. And you just get used to cohabitating. Um, you just get used to not being indifferent to each other's presence, but taking it for granted. Why? Because life is hard. <laughs> we got to pay that bill. We got to work through this issue. We got this kid that's got the need braces, and how are we going to get the money for that? And we got this kid that's got this, or we got this, this problem that we're having to address. And I, I imagine that there's probably been tons of discussions in marriages in 2020 around that. Like, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to work through this? And you get used to just kind of working together instead of just being okay with loving each other. That like the problems, we'll have to get to those, but like, like we're in it for more than this. And I don't have anything to give that relationship as far as love if I've not nurtured that love with God. That a lot of times we look at the Christian life as the same thing. I need, a, I need to make sure I'm you know, enduring through this hard time. Or I'm being faithful to Jesus. I'm getting in my word. And we just lose that sense that like I'm in relationship with Jesus. I'm not just fulfilling an obligation to him. And, and so making Jesus a priority is making sure that that love for him and with him is kindled that then overflows to each other. That, that you cannot forget, you can't let the hardships or challenges of life keep you, get you away from that intimacy with him. The New Living uh, translation of 4 and 5 says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Look at how you've fallen. And that's how so many marriages fall apart is they don't begin with a big sin against each other. They begin with apathy towards one another, with taking each other for granted, allowing distance in the relationship. That's where the other two come in. But, but the love for Jesus, Jesus must take the priority because you have nothing to give of which you have not received. And if you nurture the love for Jesus and receive that love, you will not be able to give forgiveness without knowing how you have been forgiven. You won't be able to show mercy if you've not nurtured this appreciation for the mercy God gives us. Um, and that's where a lot of our relationships just grow cold. Is because we're not, we're not keeping that nurtured relationship with Jesus and recognizing how bad we mess up and yet he forgives us. How merciful he is to us. How good he is to us. How gracious he is without us earning, without us deserving, and yet he's given all to us. And we grow cold towards one another when we grow apathetic towards Jesus. And so nurturing that first love is what gives you the capacity to love your spouse in a way that keeps it alive no matter how many years you've been married. Um, and there's no condemnation in what that looks like. I think that it's so easy to fall into this trap of comparison. Even what does that look like for him and what does that look like for me? Um, you know, um, you know, he, he teaches all the time, so that's, he should have that, but it has to be more than that. It has to be in a way of leading our home. Um, and just one little, I don't know, this is a very practical thing. So taking it off the spiritual realm, but practical, I heard someone once say, because I'm listening even to, to his words and I'm like, man, that is so hard to do at times. Um, cause it seems like time is the hardest thing to have alone. And um, I heard um, 
her name is Barbara Arbo. She was talking about how when she had younger kids, um, she just brought them into the prayer closet with her. And that, like, I just loved that because I feel like even in the moments um, where you try to make that a priority, um, it's really hard because it's like there is no quiet moment. There is no alone (laughs) moment. Um, They, like, leave dad alone, but mom has to, like, do everything for them. So um, he just has this aura of, like, just stay out of here. (laughs) And then then they need everything when I sit down. And so I do this very, very imperfectly. But something that the, I remember a few years ago that I was just, God, what do I do? I know this is important, but I, I can't even connect a thought sometimes. Um, and something that he just, he just downloaded in my heart. And again, I do this very imperfectly. I skip days. I skip weeks sometimes, sadly. But um, is I light a candle and I put it on my, my kitchen table and all of my kids are welcome to come join me at the table but they know that when that candle's lit, that mom, this is mom's time to spend with the Lord, spend with Jesus. And it doesn't mean that I don't spend time. I mean, um, wait, let me, let me back up. I, I do this. Anyway, so my hope is that that just helps them see and smell the aroma of even the candle will remind them that this, this, is, not import, this is not only important, but it is something that is powerful in your life. And so that's just a very practical thing for all you moms out there. Um, again, I, I say I do that very imperfectly. Sometimes I do that in a hidden space. I don't always do that right there at the kitchen table. But um, it has been something that has really helped me to making a step you know, forward. And I'd love to hear in some of the, the, the downtime what some of you guys do. I'm always up to hearing what that looks like. Yeah, so we, you know, I... I we, we tend to be night owls. This comes from being in, in youth ministry. Camp and, days. Uh, camp days. <laughs> uh, and and I, I just need, I've realized that for my own life, my, my physical and my uh, spiritual health, I, I needed to get early. I needed to start my day early. I needed to get centered in the Lord. Um, and uh, we often, you know, we don't get just our time even to talk. We'll talk about being a team or staying face to face till in the evening, so sometimes we're talking at night for many hours and hours into the night, and I, I, we work, I work at like getting up early and spending time with the Lord, but we've got a couple early birds to where uh, a lot of times I'm just like, I hurry up and get dressed, and I get to my place to be quiet and silent, and not five minutes, and I hear the, and so yes, it's discouraging, sometimes it's disheartening. I'm told you might, you might say this to me, and it's okay. Uh, I'll believe you one day. I'm told you'll, you'll, you'll remember these years and, and you won't remember all the hard times. You'll just miss, you know, your kids being little. And I'm like, you know what? One day I will believe you. At this point, it's really tough, but I get it. Um, but, but there's really no condemnation. But the, the question is, is it a priority? Yeah. Or because you don't get it your way or the way you'd prefer, you just shrug your shoulders and say, well, I just can't get it anyway. I won't be able, we won't be able to have that time anyway. So you just go out about and do it. Uh, you don't do anything. You just focus on whatever demands is in front of you. And so a priority, though, acts like a tether that you might get off a little bit, but it pulls you back. And so the center of gravity in your life has to be your relationship with the Lord so that anytime you do veer off, there's something in you that's pulling you back, that pulls you back to Jesus. And, and you, you have to anchor that in Jesus. 
tomorrow they'll get into intimacy and sex and all that. But if I think about relationship with Jesus, um, it can't just be built on a bunch of quick experiences with each other. Um, but it's also um, long experiences. And we can say that in light of marriage and relationship. If all our intimacy was was just quick moments together, we wouldn't know each other like we do in, in, in having both kinds of moments. So I think of a relationship with God very similar is there's those times where it's just, okay, meditating on the scripture today, but then there's those times to, to be still a little longer and to really um, be in that moment. Get much to say about that, nurturing your relationship with the mm-hmm. Lord. Um, but the most important thing right now, is it a priority uh, and can you make it a priority? And can you agree with each other that I'm not, I'm not asking her to martyr herself so that I get time with the Lord or vice versa that can we work together as a team on this which is number two we're on the same team and a lot of times it comes out we're on the same team (laughs) for us we we learned this the hard way Um, we can often be gluttons for punishment and before we got married um, we had high aspirations and in each other we saw who we could become. Like I could see in her who she can be and she saw in me uh, who I can be and kind of you look out into the future and say like I know who you can become Um, and the tendency was for us to demand it of each other, require of each other, push each other Mm -hmm. and a lot of times we were just fighting and we were, when we first got engaged, like I mean it would have been, it was a legitimate question to look at us and say do you guys actually love each other? Because we're just constantly just working on something and it's all heavy, and it, and it nearly destroyed our relationship. October 13th, 2006, I called our marriage off. I called our engagement off. We were done uh, because all we were doing is just at each other, at each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, after, after a few weeks of prayer and fasting, as we, as we said, no, we feel like our relationship really is of the Lord, a major shift was recognizing we're on the same team because the temptation when you have a goal, when you have something you're working for, is to see the other person as in the way. Yeah. That you're in the way. Um, but in a relationship, you have to learn how to fight alongside each other, not against one another. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you have to be convinced that you really are better together, even on the days that you think it'd be easier that you weren't. There are plenty of days that you're going to think, are we really better together? But, but we remind ourselves that, you know, I stood on a platform similar to this mm-hmm. and I made a covenant with her and that, that it doesn't matter what I feel like. It doesn't matter what things look like. I am going to be convinced that I am better by being married to her and we're going to work through this side by side, not against one another. Not in opposition to one another. And so with that, it's easy when you have a goal that they just don't seem to be pulling their weight. That's a lot of times in marriage. You're just not pulling your weight. Um, or to see them as in the way. Or to see them as the problem. <laughs> that's, that's easy. Um, it's, it's easy to let gaps in trust. There's, a, there's an understanding of trust that there's a, often there's a gap between what you expect of people and how they behave. That you have a high expectation, but their behavior falls short, and it creates a gap. And we, what you fill the gap with determines the integrity of your relationship. 
And will you fill the gap with trust or suspicion? And a lot of times, you're you're going to create gaps in your relationship. Uh, You're going to have, especially early in marriage, you have all these expectations that you don't even know you have. And your spouse continually doesn't meet them. And it creates gaps. And now you have to decide, what am I going to fill that gap with? Will I tell myself a story or will I actually get to the bottom of it and get the facts about, about that behavior or that word or that attitude or whatever? And that's, that's where we had to learn. We're on the same team and we're going to work through this. We're not going to fight against one another to get our way. We're going to communicate until we get a conclusion. And making sure that we get resolution. Knowing, and again, that reminder that sometimes we have to remind each other we're on the same team. That there's times I can feel a certain way or she can feel a certain way. Uh, and I, I don't, there's, you know, there's plenty of marriages that say, you know what, my, my spouse and I, we never fight. Now, we might have intense discussions, but we never fight. I am here to tell you they're either totally full of baloney or they mean it and they just don't talk about the issues. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not here to say we never fight. We fight. Uh, we disagree. Um, we get upset. We don't turn violent. Uh, but, but we're very passionate people and we are extremely stubborn. Both of us are extremely stubborn uh, and hard-headed. And so we have to remind each other we are on the same team. We, whatever issue this is, we're on the same team. And, and when the other is acting like they're not on the same team because this is agreement, it's an agreement we've made with one another, it's also an accountability to say, are you on my team or not? I think, too, um, in the same vein of we can um, not even have the ill intent of, of splitting apart, but let's just say schedules are busy, I'm doing all the house things, he's making sure, you know, work and all that is taken care of. I can choose to say I'm independently going to do all this alone, or I can welcome him into what that would be. So almost like provide a way for him to be a part of what we're doing. And that's also what being on the same team is. It's not only in the conflicts, but it's also me, me choosing for me to how can, I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example. But well, but you, you gave a good word that, that uh, we both can be independent people. Like we're not overly needy and sappy about those needs. It's not hard for us to just do our own thing. And we just have to constantly work on that. And so when I get busy, like 2020 has at work, that, that we have to, I have to give full attention. I have to devote myself. I have to work long hours. It's not hard for her to go, that's great. I can give him that space. I will work, focus on the, yeah. on the on, I mean, she, there in that time of early COVID, we're homeschooling our kids and it was not hard for her to, to like almost like, I'll give you your space, but unintentionally put a wall there. Yeah. Uh, and I get hard-headed and independent, like, okay, well, if I'm not welcome, then you're on your own. I got plenty of stuff to do. Uh, and it's not hard for just time to just make us drift. 
uh, in that. And so numerous times this year, are we on the same team or not? That she's coming in while I'm focusing and working, and she's like, listen, I need you on my team. We are on the same team, and I don't want to push you out of this. You have to be involved in this situation or over this issue or with this kid. Um, And I look to her not just as a minion, um, but I look to her even to, to help me know what my part in this team is sometimes. And I think it's that choice to make them a part of the team that makes this concept even work. Because how many times do we just, you know, kick them off the team? And then we find ourselves down the road years later, and it's like we've drifted apart from even the passions and interests that we had together. Um, and that's what I know uh, that, you know, ours is kids right now, and that there's just a bunch of them. And I see many of you have a lot of children, too, that it is very easy to let that become that gap in the middle. But it's the, it's the choice to say, I, I want to do life with you, um, and that's, that's important to me. Um, that when we've raised our kids or when we've, um, you know, hit a certain, you're talking about the golden years, like I want to be able to, I want (laughs) to want to sit by you on the porch, you know, and we have something to say, (laughs) so, which I do. We we do, we we do tell our children, I was like, listen, there's numerous times, well, you just love mommy more than me, and I say, absolutely, (laughs) because one day you ain't going to be here, and I actually want to like your mom. After you're out of the house. So, okay, that's part of it. Uh, <laughs> write down Colossians 3. Uh, just to, I'll just read through it. This isn't teaching you all this. There's just some really good stuff in this section. Of, from verse 5 to verse 14. Just as a reminder of, if we're taking this seriously, our relationship with Jesus, and then how that flows into our teamwork with one another, that's not just a good idea. Like We have to let Scripture govern us. We have to let the Spirit govern us uh, in, in what that looks like. Uh, verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away in your marriages. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put the old self off. That old man, that's dead. You put that off with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. And these are important. Put on then. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Like if you, if you, if we, if I hired an, uh, we'll just, if I hired a private investigator to just watch your marriage for a month, would the report be that? I'm like, I got to remind myself of that. It's like, I, you know, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. But like, I, but look, you got to put that on. Meaning that I'll say that compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience are not your defaults. That's why you need relationship with Jesus to experience transformation. That at some point in time, it's possible that in Christ these are defaults. Until then, you got to put them on. You have to wake up every morning and say, "I put on kindness and meekness and humility and patience," because I don't want to be patient. 
I want to be annoyed. I want to be frustrated. I want to be selfish. I want to be angry. (laughs) Sounds like a country song. (laughs) Bearing with one another. Meaning, in your marriage, in your life, you're going to have highs and lows and your spouse is going to have highs and lows. If If your spouse is in a low season where they're really facing an internal challenge... Bearing with one, with one another, bearing with them, working through it, not getting selfish about that, but working with them in that season. And if one has a complaint against one another, which is super easy to do when you start living with one another, like it's not hard to chalk up complaints. <laughs> Forgiving each other. I laugh because we're joking about how like the point system and how, as a husband, the points, they, they zero out at midnight every night. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, asked, I was in a conversation, asked about that. Uh, I said, yeah, unless I'm in the negatives, then those carry over to the next day. <laughs> I'm, I'm somewhat joking about that. But, like, we got to get rid of the point system. And I, and I, I struggle with that, too. I, 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 uh, I have a wiring that I have to that I know is my flesh, that I have to renew my mind and the spirit um, uh, of uh, earning love. And I honestly, I don't know where that comes from because I don't think my parents parented me that way. Um, That there's something that I still have this mental temptation toward that is like, well, I haven't haven't earned like something from you today. I haven't done enough. I haven't washed the dishes enough. I haven't taken care of that kid. And like, oh man, I totally looked over that sink full of dishes and went straight to bed. Like, oh my gosh, have I, have I messed this up? And she didn't even do that to me. Um, but I have to renew my mind to that. And no, nor can I put her on some point system. Because it's not hard to have a complaint against one another. Because when you're living with one another, you are, you are not blind to their imperfections anymore. That you once were in the bliss of dating and engagement and newlywed for like maybe a week or two. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Which is why, number one... Make Jesus a priority is when I lose track of what Jesus has forgiven me of, it's not hard for me to start not forgiving her for what she does. But when I come before the Lord and recognize how much he's forgiven me, how merciful he is to me, now that can overflow in being on her team, working with her who's imperfect as well. And above all these things, put on love, not Have good feelings of love. Not energize the romance of love. Put it on. Choose it. Which what binds everything together in perfect harmony? Love. Jesus' love. Not the feelings of love. Which I hope you have. And there's a a great book. His Needs, Her Needs. Um, And then there's also one that's specifically for parents. That just talk about, like, here's the things that we do in meeting each other's needs that do energize the feelings of love. And that's great. But it must be built on the love of Jesus. Number three? Okay. Number three, and this, I I taught on this before, but um, it always bears repeating because it is in my marriage where I learned it. 
uh, and that is we, re- we will remain face to face. And so not kind of skipping over the, the doctrine of that or the theology of it, straight into the practical. Um, I, I, I got that revelation because I recognized my temptation to turn away. And I say that with things that I feel like uh, I mess up or, or I don't reach a certain threshold of enough, whatever that enough is, that face-to-face uh, is how we image God. It's in face-to-face relationships that we image God to the world. And I have a teaching on this a year ago. Um, you can, that interests you, go to the website uh, and, and watch it, where I go really deep and then honestly, barely scratch the surface even in those messages because there's so much the Lord showed me in this. But no matter what we come up against, a challenge that's outside of us, like, like a challenge we're having uh, with a child or a thing we're dealing with at work or a friendship, we're going to work face-to-face. But the temptation is that, whether it be through shame or fear, that when something comes between us, I turn away. And I, I actually, I crafted this idea because anytime we would have a disagreement, I would literally feel my body want to turn, to turn away. Uh, we, we, we work, part of how we had to recognize with the busyness of life and kids and ministry, um, we have to communicate. Whether I want to or not, whether she wants to or not, we've got to talk. We've got to work through things. We've got to communicate. And so we'll spend nearly every evening one to three hours talking through things, working through things, um, talking it through, uh, really working through issues. And when we would come up with a dis- disagreement, or especially when I've done something to just mess it up, I, like, like we're laying in bed, I can feel myself turn my body I want to turn my body, and it's a defense mechanism is what it is. Uh, and, and so I, I, I crafted this idea because I recognize I am getting in the way of this relationship when I do that. It's not the problem anymore. The problem's not getting in the way of the relationship. I am because I've turned away. We, if we'll stay face to face, we can work through anything, even if it's extremely tough. And when we disagree, the temptation, especially if someone says or does something stupid, is to fine and just allow there to be a space. Instead of, I'm going to stay face to face. What you said really hurt me, but I'm not going to turn away. We're going to work through it. Or what I said really did hurt you, and I can see the hurt. And I want to just avoid the hurt. I want to just avoid it. But I've got to stay face to face. And it's face to face where there's intimacy. This is where intimacy comes from. It's recognizing that she has needs that when I turn away, I, I'm no longer able to meet those. Or, or vice versa. It's, it's working through communication um, deeply. Not just tackling an issue, but learning that this, the idea of face-to-face is recognizing that this is a human being made in the image of God in front of me. And no matter how bad I've messed up or how bad she's messed up, this relationship, I care about her 
and whatever I've done or she's done, we can work through because I love her even if I disagree or am hurt by what she said or did. She is made in the image of God. She is dearly loved by Jesus. And that's where really the only way we stay face to face is that Jesus is here. Because if I look at her through the lens of what I want, then chances are I'll get selfish and I look to her to meet a need in me. I'll stay face to face if you meet my needs. You stop doing that, who cares? But only in that I can look at her through the lens of Jesus, that she is dearly loved by God. God has forgiven her of that thing that I don't want to forgive, forgive her for. Especially when it comes to forgiveness. That's when it's, when it gets uncomfortable, I'd rather avoid the feelings of discomfort because I'm more comfortable just handling it over here by myself. It's uncomfortable to deal with issues with another human being, especially when you think they're the problem. But marriage is a covenant to stay face to face, to work through this. And, it, and the, really the, the doctrine of it is that it's in this relationship where God, it's in face-to-face relationship where God's glory is seen in a unique way that otherwise doesn't happen. Yeah. There's lots of doctrine in that, but... Um, Ephesians 5, and I'm, you, we want you to have a date night tonight, so I know you're smelling the pizza. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, the very end of what Paul is talking about when it comes to, to marriage and that relationship... Uh, Verse 31 says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined, made one to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, meaning you're not going to be able to put a formula to this. There's not going to be a one-size-fits-all to-do list on how to make this work. It's a mystery, and part of the joy of the relationship is exploring the mystery. It's a mystery, but this marriage relationship is an illustration Of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say each man must love his wife. As much as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. This relationship. Outside of our relationship with Jesus. Is the most important relationship. And staying face to face. Means being committed to the intimacy. Of this relationship. Even when it gets uncomfortable. Even when things get when you, when you lose the comfortable and good feelings. And it's in learning how to develop and cultivate this intimacy that makes you able to be better together. Not just conceptually better together, not wishfully better together, actually better together. That it was only for us when we faced an unexpected, I've said before, unexpected does not have to mean unprepared. And we faced an unexpected with our son that just kind of happened. It was because of our relationship with the Lord and our intimacy with one another that we were able to side by side face the most difficult thing we've ever been able to face and not let the challenges of that come between us. And it truly is that, that no matter what I'm feeling like on any given day, no matter what good feelings or bad feelings I have, being committed to intimacy in this relationship out of my intimacy with God 
that then glorifies, glorifies God to people who are looking at our marriage. And that is a daily choice. It's a consistent choice. There are lots of things that can come between us. There are lots of things that try. Some of them have names. <laughs> but, but not allowing that to be the priority, being, Jesus being the priority, us maintaining being on the same team, but not just as an obligation, not just as a, well, we have to, well, I made, I made a promise, so I guess I have to fulfill it. Or, you know what, at least just stay together because of the kids. No, beyond that, that this relationship glorifies God in a unique way. And I want, I want Jesus to have all the glory. And so we're going to stay face to face. We're going to work through this. When I'm being an idiot, you can call me on it. And we're going to be face to face. I don't want to. I might resist and I might force. But we've made this agreement. And we're going to work through this together. And we are going to be better together and be able to face any challenge that the devil comes against us with. And that may be, those may be helpful. Those may be things you might have already known or understood. Um, maybe they're just a prod where you just needed some encouragement, some admonition. And again, those aren't detailed teachings, but they're commitments that we've made that have kept us strong, even in difficult or weak seasons, that we've both had really low seasons in our marriage and facing challenges that that would have that could have destroyed our marriage could have maybe not destroyed probably deteriorated probably be a better word deteriorated our marriage um, or major challenges in ministry in life and um, it's the grace of God that's pulled us through that and simple things like this not just being so simple that we ignore them but a constant, constant work, constantly holding each other accountable, constantly encouraging one another with that, reminding each other, hey, we made this agreement. We need, to, we need to stick with it. We need to work through it. And it's in that endurance that our love grows deeper for one another. It's in keeping those agreements and keeping those commitments that even when I don't feel like it in the moment, bring the feelings of love back. Um, not because I feel good. I'm not, she said she's the feeler. I'm not. <laughs> I live mostly in my head, uh, not my feelers. Uh, but, but our love is not built on my head or her feelings. It's built on Jesus. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you're in a, you've been in a rough spot in your marriage, a real challenge. Uh, maybe you're at the brink or have been at the brink um, of, of just giving up. And I just want to challenge you, but also encourage you that it is worth it. You can't change the other person. You can't make demands. There's also a book out there that I recommended called Love Busters, things that destroy love in your life. And one of them is making demands. You can't demand something of each other, but you can choose you. You can choose what you do. You can choose an agreement you have, even if the other person hasn't come along with you yet. And again, we want to take maybe just before we're done, a few moments um, just with the Lord and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Um, maybe maybe through something we've said already, but maybe just in just a, a few more minutes with the Lord. Maybe you've just grown apathetic. Maybe you've just gotten lethargic and you're just kind of just going through the motions. Um, 
Maybe you're in a tough spot or maybe you're in a great spot and God is ready to do more in your life. But all that comes from Jesus. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the whole worship team to come up for a minute. We're going we're gonna to pray to see if there's anything unique or special the Lord wants to do, even corporately, or, but at least you personally can just have a few moments with the Lord. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe it's not repentance. Maybe it's just reception. You need to receive what Jesus has done for you. Um, maybe you just need to absorb. Let, let, let the words, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Um, take a deeper root. Maybe it was one of the verses that you need to take a few moments and just prayerfully come before the Lord to nurture a deeper understanding of. Either way, recognizing that right now you and your spouse, if they're with you, but you are in the presence of the Lord. doesn't matter what you feel. doesn't matter if you can feel it or not. You're, you're in the presence of the Lord. And Jesus wants to do something in you, challenge you, be compassionate with you. Maybe you need to receive forgiveness. Maybe you've done something really stupid. And maybe you haven't understood how forgiven you really are. I just felt like there was at least someone here that needed deliverance of some kind. Could be deliverance from bitterness. You've let a root of bitterness or hurt or unforgiveness sink into your heart. Maybe it's deliverance from a certain distraction or repetitive sin cycle. Um, Jesus is the one that does that. I'm going to let them lead us for a few moments and just take some time with the Lord. Let Jesus do something in you. and maybe just life has just been um, there's just been so many bumps in the road and maybe it's taken a toll on your face-to-face -face relationship and it's just good to step away and just be able to listen um, but I just felt in my heart like we've got to remember who we are and we got to remember whose we are that we are the head and not the tail that we are above and not beneath and everything we put our hands to prospers. And there's just something beautiful that occurs when you, you're you walking through life together. You're better together. And, um, you know, even in our 13 years this December, um, I didn't think we would face some of the challenges we faced. Um, and we had the choice on how we were going to walk through those challenges. And, you know, some of those challenges weren't all... Um, know just so circumstantial I know for me just internal struggles of some things and I think that um, you know I don't claim to, <laughs> to just know but I just feel like the time we're living in that marriage is so vital because there's such a strength together and you know maybe this weekend is even just a reminder of that how much better we are together but if, if there's anything that is, um, that is weak in that chain of things, God wants to do that work in you and in both of you. 
and, and I believe he wants to show you vision of you better together. Um, even better than even if things are better now. And um, I believe that that is the image of how he's going to um, show the world. The church is through the, the lives of, of us. Um, so let me, let me pray for us in general. We'll have ministry teams up here at the end and Hannah and I will remain and we can pray for you personally but I want us to pray uh, for just our marriages together as we're corporately together and that there is something in the unity of the church um, being as one even in our prayer before the Lord so Father we come before you grateful arms open in surrender and marriage is very near to your heart again it was, it was one of your first gifts and there's so many hardships in life in our day and country so many challenges that we're facing and the enemy has an agenda to poison and destroy our marriages and I thank you that you are the one who fights for us. That we already have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I thank you, Father, that you pour the love that you have for us into our hearts. And that right now, each of us, let, being humble before your throne to receive the mercy that we need, but also find grace to help us in our time of need. Our marriages need your grace, your power. And so I thank you for working that power in us, rekindling that first love, the first love that we had for you in our surrender and submission to you, but also that overflowing in our love for one another, our love for our spouse, that at one point in time, there was a deep love that might have started to grow cold or us turn away from. But here in your presence, we thank you that your love being shed abroad in our hearts overflows to love for one another. That we choose your love and that love then being extended by your grace to our spouse. Lord, you have forgiven us in the blood of Christ. You have made peace between us and you. And because of Jesus' blood making peace, now we can make peace with one another. That where there once is aggravation frustration, anger, annoyance, that you bring peace, that your peace be the governor over our relationships and over our hearts and minds, your peace being the one that keeps, protects, and nurtures your love in our hearts. So I thank you for your peace, the peace of the Holy Spirit resting upon us, overflowing to be peace between us and that our marriages revealing your love and compassion and mercy that these marriages here today glorify you Jesus and that Holy Spirit you are the great teacher what we need to learn it is you who teach us in Christ so Holy Spirit thank you for teaching each of us what we need to know and understand in growing being better together I thank you for covenant love marking your people 
marking the marriages that call upon you, Jesus. And it's that covenant love that witnesses to the love of Jesus in this world. And so I thank you that we enter into a season not of marriage attacks, but marriage glorifying Jesus. That we come into a season where the world looks at our marriages and says there's something different about that. What is it? And we are witnessing of you, Jesus. That our marriages, our oneness, our unity in our marriage and our unity with one another being a witness to this world so that the world sees and glorifies you, Jesus. That our marriages are a light in the midst of darkness. Our marriages shine the light of your character, your glory, and your love in a world so desperately in need of your love. I thank you for a revival of hope where there once has been discouragement and despair, that you revive hope in our hearts. Hope that there is more than what we experience today. There is more that you have for us that is a good plan for our marriages. That it's, our marriages are not to be given up on, but for hope to be revived in our marriages and in our relationship. That we see the light that you have for us and, and replace that despair with joy. Thank you for a revival of joy, the fruit of the Spirit being joy in our hearts and in our marriages. That what is what feels like a heavy burden in the relationship be lifted in the name of Jesus and joy being restored. That bondages of addiction or hurt and brokenness being destroyed. That the, the yoke, your anointing breaks the yoke. The yoke of addiction, the yoke of despair, the yoke of hurt and unforgiveness. Your anointing being present to break that yoke and reviving hearts, energizing love once again. I thank you for this weekend marking a turning point in all of our marriages, for our marriages from this point to grow better together. And I thank you for this all in Jesus' name. Amen. y'all as we we're going to continue and worship here for a little bit i want to welcome the ministry teams that we have to just come to the front right now uh, if if there's anything that the lord's spoken to you that's that's ministered to you let's use this time right now just to give him thanks to give him praise for what he's brought us through even if you feel like there's difficulties that have come up through the past the fact that he's brought you to this point and that from here on out, he can and will make you better together. Let's just give him some thanks to declare the goodness of God here. I want to welcome you. If you, if you would stand, let's just let's worship a little bit more here. If you have need of anything, if you want prayer, we've got people here ready to pray for you. And let's just, again, like I said, let's sing now the, of the goodness of God.